In this episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies, we digitally travel to the North Island of New Zealand to chat with our friend Gareth Bayliss. Gareth Bayliss has a super popular YouTube channel, uh, Trout Hunting NZ for New Zealand, where he documents all of his adventures in New Zealand hunting monster rainbow trout, monster brown trout, and anything from streams to rivers uh, to the most awesome canals um, that you'll probably ever see. So we're stoked to have him, stoked to hear about his adventures and how he does it. So we've been waiting a long time to do this, so we hope you enjoy it. Uh, Big thank you to our sponsors, Loop Tackle, Adams Built Fishing, Monic Fly Lines, um, Battleborn Beer. Without your support, hey, we, we couldn't make this happen. So take a seat and enjoy this trip literally into the future. Oh, yeah, and we also have a great conversation and debate somewhat on meat pies and burritos. So stick around and enjoy the podcast. And welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. So today, we're doing a little bit of time travel. Like, most people don't think it's possible, but it is. I'm actually talking to somebody that's in the future. Right now. Like, in the future, but like on the same time. It's weird. We won't get into it. But welcome, Gareth Bayless. Trout hunting New Zealand. Thank you for joining us. No worries, man. I'm super excited to be here. It's taken us far too long to to get here but we're finally doing it we're doing it we're doing it so you're you're in new zealand so let me explain it i'm on the pacific time zone and you're what's your time zone uh it is pacific but uh, i don't actually know the technical term for it but anyway it's 5 17 p.m here but Uh it's friday uh sorry not friday what day is it tuesday (laughs) tuesday yeah so it's like you're i i guess i explain to people you're like four hours behind and a day ahead. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it makes it easy. Instead of adding yeah. all those numbers forward, I just make it simpler yeah. math. <laughs> it actually works out pretty well. It's not a crazy time difference. It's just a, a day different. Yeah, it's so weird with the whole dateline thing. It's like, oh, you're mm. on the next day, which is so bizarre because, wow. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but hey, yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us. And, um, we got a lot to dive into, but let's start, let's start off with learning a little about, a little bit about you. So why don't you tell us who is Gareth Bayless? Uh, I, I don't think I've ever actually been asked that question, so it's going to uh. be tough, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I suppose the stuff you guys are probably interested in, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. I live, currently live in the middle of the North Island of New Zealand. Okay. And, uh, and I do, well, for the most part, a lot, a lot of trout fishing. Um, 
couple of kids, dog, house, all the usual stuff. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, and you're kind of really, really well known over here in the U.S. for your YouTube channel, which is Trout Hunting NZ, short yep. for, well, NZ short for New Zealand. And you got some pretty incredible videos. They're kind of, they're almost borderline, like, outlandish, meaning the size of fish you catch. Like, dude, come on. Those are, like, all digitally imposed. This is fake. Come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> the technology. But it's technology not. Technology's getting pretty good. It is. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. It's it is a bit of a different world over here, I suppose, to what we consider to be just average, normal, or that, yeah, small, not small, but average fish, you know, yeah. different to most other places around the world. With a few yeah. exceptions, but um, but yeah, no, it's yeah. I try to make a video every week. I usually get there, and uh, sometimes big fish, sometimes. Well, not a lot of small fish make the cut, but I try to put one or two in there every now and again because people are always asking. I get that comment at least once or twice each video is, "Are there any small fish in New Zealand?" <laughs> Yeah, there has to be because that's what the big fish eat. <laughs> yeah, I think for the most part right. they just stay well clear because they would just be predated on if they hung around in the in the big boy pools. Right, right. And how did you get started with the whole video? Like, what 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 kicked that off? You're like, oh hey, I'm gonna just start making videos and throwing them on YouTube. Like, what what was it about it? Like, what what. What got you started and like what are you trying to convey with those videos other than the awesomeness of New Zealand? Yeah, it's really hard to figure out exactly why I started doing it. I I started out on Instagram and Facebook, uh, well, Facebook first, then Instagram. And I used to be, well, I wish I still was into fitness. I'm not as much as I used, well, used to be, but um I saw there was like a, a couple of fitness channel vlogs that I watched on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I just thought there's no reason you couldn't adapt and do something very similar to that uh, in the fishing world. And uh, so I just started giving it a crack. It was pretty slow to begin with. It was a video every other month or and maybe only a couple of year, but it slowly evolved into at least one a week. Nice. And how, how many videos have you put out so far? Uh I think I'm getting, I don't, it's over 200. I might, I may be getting close to 300. Wow. Maybe I can find that out actually. <laughs> Regardless, it's a lot of, that's, that's a lot of trips. I mean, if you're doing it once a week, that's crazy. That's a lot of work to yeah, put a two, video together. Two, 256. 256. Yeah. That's quite the accomplishment. I think we have like four videos or five. And they yeah. are absolutely like low quality. They're pretty pitiful, but they're there. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta you just gotta film it and stick it up and see yeah. what people think. Yeah, there's no attempt on our side to even like get any professionalism to it. Like we we tried one editing one on one trip and it kind of came out cool. It was like 30 seconds long, and I'm like, man, that was like an eight hour trip. And we bundled it down to 30 seconds. And yeah. I was like, wow, it really felt more exciting than the video showed. <laughs> so what yeah, I'm yeah. saying is like big, big kudos to what you do, because like you basically it looks like your videos, like you, you, you try to detail and capture that whole adventure from the time that you step foot out your door 
to the time you're in a car, you know, and you're capturing the trip and then and then and then you get to the destination and then this whole other part of the uh, of the video comes together, you know, he starts searching for the trout and then pretty much almost always are getting into something ridiculous. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm gonna tie this on. You throw it out there. Oh. And then either it's a it's a hit or a miss, and then it's like you just like drill down so quick into it. And then you're pulling these monsters out of the water and you're like, dude, where do you get nets big enough to put those fish in? You know? So how much, so, so what is your, what, so like what areas are you fishing in New Zealand? Like what's your range? Like, have, have you traveled? Are you just doing the Island you're on or you go, you ever go to the other Island? Like how does, how does that work out? Like, how do you, how do you plan that out? Yeah. So I, I grew up in the very middle of the North Island and started fishing down there. Yeah, and uh, and then I've spent like the last twelve years in the central part of the North Island. But for the like, I've fished around both of those areas really extensively. Um, and but there's still huge swaths of the South Island that I've I'm yet to fish, which I really want to go and do. Um, but yeah, I travel around. I've got uh, I was just down there for two weeks. I'm hoping to go back in January for a good chunk of that. Um, but yeah, I've I feel like I've fished most of the stuff in the immediate area around where I live now, uh, and you got to start doing some some pretty big drives to get into some new water now. But it's good fun to do because you make a night of it, camp, just yeah, go all over whatever uh, river sounds cool. Whatever river sounds cool. Do you ever give away the real name of the rivers that you go to? <laughs> no, oh, there's a couple of really local ones in the Topol region. Uh, the Tongariro, Hanimaya, um, those are like super well-known rivers and are pretty obvious to so many people where I am anyway. So I have I have stopped naming them, um, but I but I have named them in the past. Um, but yeah, all the other ones, any backcountry, anything like that. I don't. Sometimes if I'm flying my drone and stuff, I won't even like try to display too much of the, you know, this a big expanse with any great landmarks that give it away too much right. <laughs> and it's not so it's not so much to protect you know i'm not trying to keep anything secret but a lot a lot of the time if i you know i'm in people's backyards sort of thing and i don't want to mm. you know get on the wrong side of other fishermen by they see the video i'm like ah oh, man you're giving away my like my backyard spot so, right yeah <laughs> right that won't go over that won't go over too well <laughs> yeah yeah so what so what season are you in over there as far as like trout season goes like what 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 are you targeting you know what what's what what's hot and what's not over there to kind of so we know where we at so we can relate we know with our seasons over here so our we don't where i live has a winter season but pretty much the rest of the of new zealand is closed for the winter and so we're just coming out of winter we're in spring now um October 1st is when the majority of New Zealand rivers opened. Um, so it's early season spring fishing. Uh, so a lot of the high country stuff in the South Island opened yesterday, November 1st, or or some, it might be first Saturday in November. I can't actually remember. Um, so, yeah, I haven't done, I've actually just come back from the South Island, so I, I haven't fished in like two weeks, so I'm not even sure what's going well up in my area at the moment, but. Um, there's a couple of really cool rivers that you got to go way deep into the bush. 
kind of jungle and pretty sketchy getting down into them and uh but the fishing is amazing but that's the majority of that is rainbows there's a few browns lurking in there but it's um but like if you one river that i've been meaning to fish since i got back is um like if you caught something under three pound is is getting really really small in there it probably averages four to six wow that sounds terrible actually yeah dealing with four to six pound fish (laughs) you know you know some something that you said is kind of fascinating and the listeners hopefully they caught this when you said going through the jungle so here's here's some things that that you usually don't associate with like with trout is the word jungle like out here it's either like on the west it's it's high desert or it's like forest you know or or yeah you know heavily treed with deciduous trees or you know uh you know other type of stuff you know like that picturesque it has to have like some element of cold weather so and we've seen your videos like you, you do see that jungle type environment so where where do you guys where are you sourcing like where is all that cool running water come from if you're running through yeah uh it also this i mean most of that jungle stuff is in the north island uh-huh um but there's a couple of volcanoes with uh that hold a lot of snow and uh stuff like that uh-huh. so they have snow melt and then there's just big vast mountain ranges that they just hold so much water uh and it's pretty wet uh i mean we don't it doesn't rain all the time but we get a fairly decent amount of rain it changes from year to year um but it, it pretty much never runs dry or you know or never runs so low like i see in the states you guys frequently have rivers that get too low and warm to fish yep um but that's there's a couple rivers that'll do that around here but not many not many yeah right. it's just there's just so much water around it just drains out of the hills the whole time and lots of spring fed stuff as well which is always really cool water yeah yeah i mean out here it's like in at least in the west i can't speak for the east coast but we're not relying on rain so much to feed our rivers and waterways it's primarily snow melt in the west yeah yeah right so we're, we're rain helps and all that type of stuff but primarily we're dependent upon that snow melt and that constant flow of snow melt and a majority of that being caught in some type of reservoir or dam or or whatnot and then um you know feeding out as a tailwater a lot of the a lot of the rivers you find out here are are generally a tailwater there's a few exceptions but majority of them are held back by a dam you know so that's what we rely on um you know like recently we we were going through well a drought and uh no rain all summer combined with a low snowpack last winter it sucked and um and then fires and all that so we had some trickling rivers out here whether it was in nevada california um you know wyoming montana idaho they all suffered in their own way but here like i think i explained in a previous conversation we had we went from between 10 and 40 cfs on the truckee river to we had like three four five days of constant precipitation rain followed by snowfall and then melt so that river kicked up to 5000 cfs and it, it's still kicking not at 5000 cfs but it's it's back alive cranking um 
Yeah. So we we go through these interesting cycles here. So we we don't have that advantage of a of a constant, um, reliable water source. But it sounds like you may have more often than not, even though you're dry years, you know. But it's just like you just have that that luxury. Is that why yeah. the fish grow so big there? Can you explain that? Can you explain why your rainbow trout and your brown trout are just just gargantuan? Like what? Like so dive think, into that. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I look. It depends. There's there's vastly different rivers when you travel around the country, but I think for the most part, it's you know you've got good quality cool water. Uh, and very fertile streams, so there's that just uh, there's an abundance of aquatic, you know, insects and you know the old mayfly, caddis, all that stuff. There's just a bunch of that stuff in most rivers. Right. Pretty much, if if you drive across a river in New Zealand, you can pretty much guarantee that it will have trout in it and pretty good trout. Um. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I'm sure there's some a scientist out there that knows exactly why they get so big, but <laughs> for, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I I like to put it down to is like we very like trout grow. You know, there's an optimum temperature range for them to yeah. grow, and then water clarity and all that stuff that helps them feed. Um, and I think all those sort of those little factors just line up and help produce pretty decent fish absolutely yeah it sounds like you just have that consistent that consistency of yeah yeah like you said it's that water temperature and constant bug supply um i don't know we're not scientists we're just looking for an excuse out of you to tell us why 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 it happens there or not here <laughs> yeah but you know and, we, uh, we, you know we uh, and we get we get respectable fish here i mean hell i mean oh, we're for sure. yeah i mean and yeah. it's it's but it's not uh like I said, just dealing with those varying con- those various conditions that we have, um, it, it can be quite of a, a challenge over here. So when we do get into the bigger fish, we love it, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's usually coming off of a of a cycle um, of good good amount of years, you know, of good water flow and all that type of stuff that would promote, you know, be conducive to to a, you know good fish growth and whatnot. So. With the exception of well, Pyramid Lake, it's just its own anomaly. The fish just grow big there, constantly yeah. eating each other. They eat fish and a couple different kind of bugs, and that's it. And then more fish, and then more fish. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's, it's nuts. Yeah, it's the most the most untrout trout ever. But what's funny is 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 watching your YouTube videos when you see you pulling out these 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 massive rainbows and these massive browns. That's what we're pulling out of here, you know. So yeah. immediately we're picturing like big meat eaters, and you know, like man, how does something get that big? Because like those, especially the rainbow trout, brown trout do ground, brown trout do grow big here, even in some of the smaller and skinnier waters here, just because yeah. they have that, you know, they'll they'll find all those bait fish. They'll, you know, we have a huge crayfish population over here, and they just just munch on those, right. and that makes that makes them grow big. Um, but it's not everywhere, you know, so yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of cool to see what you got going on over there. So, um, and some of what, what are some of your, your favorite like fly methods over there? What, what's your, what's your routine when you go out? Are you, are you primarily finding and targeting these guys more on nymphs on streamers or, 
Does it just depend? I mean, what's what's your go-to? If I was to fly in there and be like, Gareth, what's my go-to? Where are my go-to flies? If I don't know what I'm doing and I see a body of water, what do I do? Yeah. So, I mean, my go-to for the, for the best part of the main season, so our summer, spring, summer, autumn, fall, um, is definite uh it's it's nymphing mm-hmm. um and dry dropper yeah but uh, i mean you can't really go too wrong with flies like here and copper and little pheasant like really basic little natural pheasant tail patterns um yeah that's definitely how the majority of the fish i catch come it's all pretty or well, it seems pretty simple yeah um uh we don't do a lot of streamer fishing during the winter i swing flies on you know uh two-handed rods and stuff like real winter sort of um steelhead style flies and you get some good rainbows from these local waters here but for the most part yeah i mean the the ultimate is sight fishing stalking up a river seeing fish casting at it i mean if you can get them on a dry that's uh the ultimate but a lot of that normally i don't know probably 80% of the fish come on the the nymph or the or a dry a nymph under a dry sort of thing yeah so that 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 brings me to the next piece here um indicators right <laughs> and we're <laughs> and so we're i i'm a big fan of but we call it, I don't know if you call it this over there, we call it the Kiwi style indicator where yeah, it's right. the or New Zealand strike indicator. We'll, we'll call it a Kiwi here. I don't know if that's offensive. Tell me we now. Just, <laughs> we, we just call it an indicator. An indicator. Well, yeah. so, so since it's a, um, our perception here is that it originated, that style originated yeah. out of New Zealand. So we call a New Zealand indicator or Kiwi. Yeah. I yeah. think that's what the packaging on some of it is called New Zealand style strike it is. or something. Yeah, they they are. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I it's funny use exactly that. I use a, a, a lot of that. Yeah. Nice, nice. And what yeah. what do you what do you favor uh, about those over like a traditional like say, you know like a like a cork or a hard plastic or a the hollow? Bobber. Yeah, the, the bobber. The bobber. Well. Yeah, so I don't know. This is probably just personal preference. I can't actually say I've ever fished with a bobber, um, was you know a place you know anything other than a a yarn type indicator. Yeah. So I don't know. They look clunky to me, or they just don't look as as you know nice or something. I don't know. There's no real reason I haven't fished with them. But um, in the region, it's a bit of a grey area where I do a lot of fishing where I'm based. I think the regulations actually say it's supposed to be a natural fiber. Um, so even some of the synthetic fibers that people use to make those things probably slightly fall outside of the rule book. But the bobber and things like that certainly do. Can't use foam or you know plastic or anything like that. Gotcha. Um, so that's why I go down that road. And the other real reason is you can make those indicators really small and subtle. And so just for presentation reasons, and you know catching more fish i feel like it's a better way to go so yeah it, it, I, I love that you said that they were clunky <laughs> yeah. because uh 
the, the traditional style, they are clunky. So I, I've experienced over here, a lot of people will use like, you know, like the, the, with like the airflow style or the, or airlock, not airflow, I'm sorry, yeah. the airlock style yeah. or other similar styles. And they work, you know, they come in different sizes, different colors and all that, you know. But what happens is when you get on a heavily pressured fishery, like the Truckee's a pretty pressured fishery, uh, East Walker, somewhat pressured. Um, it's, you know, when those indicators hit the water, well, they, they're, they're, they're you know present. That, yeah. Like, yeah, and, you know, and maybe it's not so much like in, in faster moving water, like let's say the spring and maybe the summer, you can get away with a little bit more noise, you know, a little bit more stuff yep. hitting the water. But, you know, here what we found is like when you get that soft water, you need to experience this, you know, soft water, clear water, especially winter. Everything's yep. moving really slow. Everything's really clear and fish are really sketchy, you know, right. uh, because you got that slower moving water. Like in your conditions, it makes sense because you have that high visibility, you know, so yep. you want to maximize the, the the natural presentation minimize the disturbance and everything on on the top of the water and all that stuff so i become i've become a fan of them um they're easy they cast great so it's great to hear like your perception yeah. on like oh man i don't even use the other kind i just used the yarn you know so yeah. that's 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 pretty cool i think a lot of people don't like them there because they feel like it doesn't hold up enough mm. but like I don't know, we sometimes we fish some pretty heavy flies over here on some of the rivers, and even the um, it comes with two different size bits of tubing. This uh -huh. little, I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Uh, but the little micro tube and a little tiny indicator, you can certainly hold up quite a bit of uh, more than you sort of think. If there might be a little bit of a trick to setting it up, but I always put floating on it and. Mm -hmm. um you know you just got to make sure that indicator is healthy and it will hold up quite a bit are you using uh, are you using synthetic materials or natural materials or a little bit of both what are you using uh, uh, for the most part just uh new zealand wool mm -hmm. yeah i didn't use yeah. that to begin with i was using some other stuff i don't know why i didn't i just didn't like that to begin with but uh, it's won me over and i just use it it works pretty well yeah yeah, I've used, um, I started, when I started with that New Zealand style indicator, um, I started with a lot of synthetics. There's a lot of pre-made stuff out there. It already has like a little ring built into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and you just kind of loop it around. And eventually I went to the tubing, you know, yeah. um, and then, um, you know, would pick up, you know, the natural wool, you know, whatever color you would think would yeah. work. I use probably, I use white more frequently than none just because it matches what, you good. know, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just and it doesn't really like freak the fish out or anything. Um, yeah. yeah, and that natural wool. I mean, yeah, you put a little bit of uh, a floating on there, you know, or 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 powder or anything like that to clean it up, and it it goes all day. Yeah, it's awesome, yeah. and yeah, it does hold good. a lot. It does hold a lot up. It does yeah. hold a lot up. I agree. So yes, <laughs> especially if your uh, your drift's good and healthy and everything like that, and you're not towing it down though. They, they can do amazing things. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Well, and you had that immediate strike detection on it as well. Like, it's mm. like, no question. Like, it, it dunks. And it's like, it's either snagged or fish on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I should I say. Snag, I snag more than I catch fish, by the way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, um, 
I should say as well, like so a lot of the water, especially in the South Island, uh, um, even if you can't, like if you've presented a dry to a fish or something and it's not even interested in something like that, if it's, oh, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say actually, but some water will fish without an indicator at all because mm -hmm. you just don't want anything close to that fish because you might be in really shallow, really soft water. Yeah. And just if you put anything other than exactly what he's going to eat in there, he's just not going to have a bar of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what are your favorite kind of like your setups? Are you using a lot of, I mean, how, how picky are the fish down there? Like your presentations, are you using like a lot of fluorocarbon, mono, or does it, it are the fish even particular about it? Because I'm kind of wondering like with the size of the fish that you get into, you know, bigger fish, bigger fight, you know, bigger hits. Um, I've seen a lot of long runs on your videos. So, you know, what, what's your go-to? What's your go-to, uh, you know, rigs uh, down there? I still fish mainly six pound, which I, th I think is at four eggs, roughly. Yeah, it depends on the manufacturer. You're close, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's usually like six. Sometimes they're, they're seven, yeah. yeah. So I, I, that's how I look at tippet. I still work on pounds for some reason. Um but yeah, so like my typical summer rig is like a 12 foot, six pound tapered leader. And then I'll add some six, a couple of feet of six off the end of that. Um, so you sort of add around that 13 to 16 foot range. Nice. Uh, and nice. sometimes depending on the fish, depending on the river, it might go down to four pound, depending on, you know, just some different factors, but you try to leave it up around that six as much as possible yeah it's interesting you're running the long leaders i mean does that have to do a lot with the clarity of your water and, yeah. and whatnot yeah yeah and people will run even like massive leaders like way longer than i do but um Jeez. i haven't found it as super necessary or po like a poly leader before yeah. you go to your before you go to your 12 foot um, which they certainly might catch another couple of fish, but they get really challenging to cast, especially if you get a breeze and yeah. breeze and stuff like that. I was going to um, say you're getting super long. That's like crazy to cast and yeah, hard some to manage. Some people are out at like 18 feet and stuff like that. It's just well, how deep are the rivers you're fishing? Well, that's that's not really when you're nymphing. That's when you've got a fish high in the water, or you know you're uh -huh. you're sight fishing to a fish, and you you you've got to stay well away from it got to keep yeah. the fly line well away from it so that's when you get into that real long leader stuff gotcha gotcha and what's what's your i gotta ask you with you know running a long leader you know what's what's your uh your go-to uh casting technique i mean i mean if you're in the brush line i'd feel like you're doing a bit more roll casting or a bit of yeah. both i mean i mean feels like a long leader like that i'm just like man just yeah, feels it gets, like you got it it's tough certainly tough to roll cast or do anything do anything with it really but so if it's all bushy and i'm nymphing and there's you know got heavy flies on there and stuff yeah. i do a lot of water loading and roll casting and i try to not put the flow line in the air hardly any yeah um, but when you get into that normally where you are with those super long leaders and spooky fish normally you've got room the just the river style sort of make opens up and you've got room to you know, aerialize, you know, just your regular old fly cast. 
Yeah. 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 Nice. So I got I got to dig into this real quick. So I see you doing a lot of canal fishing. I won't right, say a yeah. lot, but but I've seen you get into these canals and yeah. there's just just brilliantly large fish in there. Uh Harry, tell us a little bit about the canal fishing. Like what what is that about? Cuz when you say canal fishing out here, you got you got you got two perceptions. Is that out here we have we have like the diversions for like irrigation ditches, which are kind of similar to the canal you're fishing, but much smaller, you know, just like not, you know, maybe 10, 15 feet wide and deep and they just carry water somewhere. Or if you go yeah. down into the desert, they have irrigation canals loaded with carp, but to see canals out there. What's yeah. that about? What's that about? So that's all hydro power generation stuff. And those, those are like right in the high country in the very middle of the South Island. That's like where I grew up. I, I grew up right beside those canals. And um, I actually did my apprenticeship on those hydro uh, stations in that area. So there's like three big lakes right up in the Southern Alps or at the foot of the Southern Alps. And uh, those canals divert water to some large hydropower generation stuff. And uh, it's it, it, the scheme itself represents uh, quite a large chunk of the electricity supply for the country. Yeah. Uh, so it's really, really big. So that's the purpose for those, those canals. And uh, it's taken a long time, but there's have turned into quite an amazing very unique fishery and there's certainly some uh some giant fish in there yeah there's a there's a supposed uh i don't know if uh, i don't think it's an official record but it's kind of uh um yeah anyway a 55 pound brown was caught from there like last year (laughs) what (laughs) that's not right (laughs) again yeah (laughs) Come on, yeah. Now. Come on. So yeah, it, it does sound it does sound ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think the official world record isn't uh, maybe forty something, but the guy that caught it is keeping it all quiet. Yeah, yeah. So where at what at what at what juncture are they are they dumping nuclear waste into these canals to make a giant fish? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no. Maybe, so there's a you know there's a couple of factors that like what we talked about earlier with the cold water. Um, yeah. It's that those canals sort of supercharge that system even more because they are super cold. That yeah. they would. I don't. Not sure what the maximum temperature those things would get to, but um, it's all glacially fed snow melt. It's pretty much all the water that goes in there, um, and then because there's such large cap catchments above them that slowly release that water. There's no flood events down them or anything like that. It's just stable, constant flow, um, cool or optimum growth temperature water year on year out. And then it's, you know, they were, they were carved out of the landscape and bulldozed and, you know, it was a mammoth engineering uh, feat building them. Um, so when they were first put in there, uh, they they put trout in there when they first built them, and those lakes already had trout. 
Um, but they did, they were nothing, they weren't a really good fishery for probably 30 years after it was built. Um, oh, wow. But it's just taken such a, you know, I think, it, I think like pretty much from the 50s through the 70s is when these things were built. So it's taken till probably a decade, maybe getting close to two decades ago before the really, really big fish started to turn up. And then probably somewhere in there, it just got silly and it's just just big fish everywhere so basically like you're dealing with you got you got a controlled water flow yeah. essentially almost a controlled temperature because if they're controlling the flow you know they're controlling the rate of flow um and in turn controlling the, the the height of that river yeah. it gives them a pretty good beat of you know keeping it a within yeah. a certain temperature range and that yeah. would make sense on why it's conducive yeah. to producing yeah. those large fish. And then yeah. it seems it seems so big from the videos. Tell me if I'm wrong. I haven't been there, but from the videos, it looks like they can offer plenty of plenty of cover for those fish, even though it's exposed. It looks like yeah. there's enough 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 depth in those to where they can hunker down, eat all yeah. day, and not have to worry about any type of predators other than people. Yeah, you know. Well, they, um, there's no predator for them in New Zealand. There's no natural predator. Uh, well, I mean, we got shags and a few or cormorants. Yeah, um, but it's we don't have otters or whatever else that eats trout over there. I know you got a few things. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things that go after them here. Yeah, yeah. a lot. I mean, you'll yeah. you'll go down you'll go down these rivers. You'll find all, all the assortment of birds. So you have all your birds to prey. You have hawks, yeah. falcons, eagles, ospreys uh cormorants um even you know uh, uh, all kinds of other aquatic uh, pelicans yeah well we get, we, we get a pelican population uh, that comes over uh and then your land animals right we got, yep. got bobcats coyotes mountain lions raccoons so on and so forth because you always see these little paw prints down especially in shallow water you can see like where raccoons are scooping bait fish out of the water and well having a meal so you don't have that no, like, nothing like that. That could heck? be that could be another one of those little factors that helps produce mm. big fish. I don't know, but the other I should go back to those canals because it's a pretty important part. Yes, sir. Those those salmon uh, those salmon those those canals yeah. have salmon farms in them, which oh. introduce a lot of nutrients and other stuff that's probably helped supercharge those um those fisheries as well. There's certainly the odd fish. Oh, well, fishing around the salmon farm around the salmon farms is pretty popular with like um, you know, like traditional or even bait and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, you can catch those fish up the whole length of the canal. They go everywhere. No. That makes sense. Like the rainbows hanging around the salmon farms because those guys are all caged. I mean, they're yeah. moving water, but they're in and inside their their corrals and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of yeah. that's so crazy. We were talking about that too. All the crazy good salmon that you got coming out of there. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Pretty tasty <laughs> stuff. It's yeah, incredibly, so that, incredibly tasty yeah. stuff. Well done, sir. So, so. There, there's wild salmon in those lakes and canals as well, but there's often escapes from those. Well, not often, but they're has been a, escapes from those salmon farms and there's people everywhere just uh plucking them out because they'll eat anything you throw in there <laughs> <That's> nice <laughs> nice <laughs> i 
I sense sabotage. <laughs> like, yeah. There's been quote unquote es- escapes. <laughs> yeah, I think there has been a bit of that over the years, especially early on. But um, yeah, they've taken security pretty seriously. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I got I got one more like tackle question for you. Then we'll we'll move on to the to the meat and potatoes no pun intended of the podcast um what's what are your, some of your favorite go-to uh rigs you know as far as like fly rods reels lines like what's your uh what are your favorites what, are, what where, where so are you much, over there pretty much everything i fish over here is like five five and six weights like my okay. favorite sort of go-to nymphing rod is a loop Q rod no no kidding yeah yeah which is a um uh yeah just i don't know it's really good for roll casting water loading and all that kind of nymphing type type you know those sort of rigs that you're throwing on there just suit that rod really well um like nine foot ten foot eleven yeah pretty much everything's nine foot nine foot okay yeah yeah um and then if i'm going to a little tiny stream that's you know i know it's going to be the majority is going to be dry dropper and stuff like that i've got a nine foot five weight uh loop opti stream Uh uh-huh which i'm not actually sure if they make anymore i think there's one they make now called a k2 or something which i might get um but yeah that rod is an amazing rod i'll never give that thing up uh especially for that little close range stealthy stuff and little creeks beautiful rod nice nice yeah that that makes me think that i don't think they have i don't think they're making the opti stream anymore but they do have that evotech um their last line at evotech they had a medium uh, and we got one here it's right. butter it's a medium medium action um nine foot four weight for a small for small um for small streams and uh it's unbelievable it's it's so awesome so i can imagine that's in line with the uh with the opti stream so sweet yeah, <laughs> yeah. sweet but yeah so that that's pretty much and then i got i got the like the loop uh 7x rods and sorry about that is my dog going crazy it's all right <laughs> uh 7x the older s1 um mm-hmm. yeah it's all loop rods though nice uh yeah yeah the q reels those things um, are pretty killer like it, yeah it's it, it, like the for, for like the bang for the buck and you can attest to this because you put you put good fish on all the time it's just you know the price tag compared to the performance like yeah the, the price tag it, it's attractive right you're like oh that's a you know reasonable. that's an affordable real it's reasonable like it's not like dirt cheap where you're like oh man this is gonna last like a fishing trip you're like no it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna work but you know maybe i could get better then you start using them yeah. then you then, then you get into that drag you know where you're like oh it actually really works and like oh it it's not flobbly or wobbly um and you could beat the crap out of it too yeah. like like unintentionally oh. beat the crap out of it and it doesn't care it's just like keep going 
keep going. <laughs> yeah, I've had one for three or four years now, and I have it should not still be working, but somehow it is. I have beat the crap out of that thing. I'm not very not very good on my gear, but yeah, bulletproof reel. I recommend that reel to everybody because it's uh, yeah, like you say, bang for bark is unbeatable just about. No, and it's crazy. I'll put that because I, I have I I pair that up with the Q rods. That's yeah. that's a great combo. But I put them on all the way up to OptiNex and even even the Seven X. Like yeah. you're like oh yeah, yeah. that's like that's like not a fair match. And it's like no, not actually. It's just fine. I mean it it it's a performer, so it matches up with any class of rod, you know. And it's can't say enough about it. So I'm stoked that you use those. I'm super. Yeah, now I'm talking. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. They work well. Sweet. <laughs> Good to hear. All right. So we were talking about salmon farms. That made me a little bit hungry, which mm. brings me to one of my favorite part of the podcast. So the podcast is called Burritos, Breaks, and Flies because we have a propensity to like migrate towards not only good fishing, but good burritos. We have to fuel our fly fishing conquest somehow. And right. to us, the burrito is the ultimate package, right? It's like everything is contained inside this magical vessel, and you can put so much inside that burrito. I'm like air holding a burrito right yeah. now in the air because we're doing this via Skype. So you guys can't see this, but and Gareth is looking at me like, what is your deal, dude? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was going to ask, like, uh what 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 does the burrito market look like in your area and um i will give you the allowance to defer that because if there is a lack of a burrito market i would really like to know and listeners would really like to know what's your go-to like when you're like oh i'm going out the door and i need to sustain myself with some type of provision for the day what are you grabbing what's your go-to what makes you happy and just just gets yeah, you there right. man what you got yeah so i think well the new zealand um yeah the gas station you get them at gas stations right you know what you are correct you can get them at gas stations yes no looking down on that yeah it's 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 a gamble it's a gamble you know but it's usually well yeah it's all about timing bud but yes correct gas stations for the most part, well, you, yeah. You certainly can't get them at, at gas stations in New Zealand, but I think I actually, I think I had burritos for lunch today. Um, <laughs> Were they that good? Well, you forgot? Were they like? Well, they hit I did so hard. You're I like, oh my god, I don't even know what that was. <laughs> I hope what I'm eating is what you would classify as a burrito, but it just had some like beef mince, chili beans, a mm. uh, bit of cheese, some okay. I banged some sauces in there. I can't remember which ones. Yeah, and uh, I probably skimped on the salad. I don't think there was any salad in it. Actually, I would think it was just meat and cheese. But very good. That's what. So I think we do. We we got burritos in New Zealand. I'm pretty sure. Right, right. And what? And and I have to defer here because I I I got a local a local guy out here and a friend of mine that his wife and and him um it, it's Troy Pino and Pino Pies. Him and his wife Dolce. She's a, na- a New Zealand native are uh they, they have their own meat pie place in bishop california called pino pies and you were telling me about that like the meat pie 
in New oh, Zealand yeah. is, is the gas station. <laughs> what you roll into the gas station and pick up. So it's almost like your burrito. You're like, oh, I'm going to get, uh, I don't know if you call them a meat pie over there, but like you're going to go get a pie and that's pie. like your burrito in a way. You get a pie. Yeah. Yeah. I've had yeah. pies for way too many breakfasts of my yeah. lifetime. Way too many and too many lunches. Probably the occasional dinner as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's like a staple. You can get them at gas stations or you can get real fancy and get them gourmet pies filled with pretty much anything. But like the the Kiwi classic is probably a mince and cheese pie. Mm. So you just run into the gas station, grab that energy drink. You're ready to hit the river. That's yeah. all the sustenance you need for the whole day. Right. Right. Well, that's interesting. There's a level of bravery associated with that too i believe as as you would find like in the u.s i have to laugh i'm sorry it's so hilarious a gas station burrito buddy it's like it's risky business it's risky business it's got yeah it's got tom cruise's face on it buddy it's 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 a gamble it's a gamble yeah you're just like i don't know you know it's kind of like you might be okay, like depending on the quality and the grade, and like how long that that burrito was held under a heating lamp, yeah, or not yeah. held under a heating lamp. Um, how much time you got? You know, basically, yeah. you're like, oh, that felt good, and things can go fine, or it could either cut your trip short, or you're 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 hopping off yeah. the water into yeah, the bushes yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, so it's a lot of I've, preparation there, bud. A lot of preparation. <laughs> I've been pretty lucky with the. Uh, with with pies none of them have made me sick probably the biggest risk with a pie is you're always eating them while you're driving okay and and uh well it's if you're grabbing a gas station pie yeah and uh so if you just bite it wrong or eat it wrong you'll get thermonuclear temperature mints or cheese or something on your lap or yeah on your hand that can be can cut your trip short so what's your favorite? What's your what's your favorite kind of what's your go to pie then? Like you got the mince and cheese, but is that is that one that you're like, yeah, I go with, I'll go with the original. I go with the mince and cheese, or is there another one where you're like, oh man, no, they got that one. Do you have a different yeah. one that you go for? Because we need to know this because if well, if, if any of you're going to travel over there, like we don't want to go for like oh, just like yeah, yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying, just the regular. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, cool. you get that in any gas station. They're all pretty basic flavored pies at gas stations, but um, pepper steak or steak and mushrooms always a nice, a nice one. But uh, you can get anything in there. Like if I ever go into like a cafe or whatever, and they've got a pork belly pie, I'll always oh. grab that one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but they, they get super fancy with what they put in there. You just said pork belly. Yeah, I did. Proud of you. Yeah. Proud of you. It's a great yeah. pie. That's amazing. What? What? So, is it just straight up pork belly, or what do you usually got with that? Like, is it just like? Yeah, it's do just they make like good... pork belly and some. It'll have, I think, some sort of sauce in there, and then it'll have a little piece of crackling pork crackling on the top. Oh no, kidding! It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty special pie. Yeah, it's pretty absurd, actually. I yep. think there's probably some places over here, especially if we crossed over into the California state line, that could potentially be illegal. Really? Because it's so good. Yeah, well, not really, but, you know, <laughs> just figuratively. It may one day. One it day, should be. But it, sounds, it sounds too good. I mean, like pork on 
pork like it's doubling down you're like oh i have pork belly and it's like no that wasn't enough i need some cracklings with that yeah you know and someone's like oh i'll oblige you know (laughs) well if you ever get over here i'll take you to this little bakery in tikpo which is right beside the giant fish canals Uh and they they do the best pork belly pie really i've ever come across i'm curious like a, a new zealand pig because if they're anything like what you're growing in the canals, mind blown, buddy. Yeah. Mind blown right now. Yeah. It's, it, this went from being an awesome fly fishing talk to like this culinary travel type thing. I think you got something going on over there, bud. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I have actually, I've been to the States. I've been to Minnesota, Colorado, Texas, and Florida. And I, and I lived out of, a lot of gas stations so i was always in them getting stuff and i did miss the new zealand pie while i was over there looking for a lunch or breakfast yeah. snack well if you come yeah. over here we'll we'll help you out because we have it's a thing over here it's gaining popularity within a small clique like people yeah. that get their hands on them and, and and once again it's it's for the pinot pies Dude, they're like people people go gaga over them but i mean the guy that makes them i won't say he goes over the top but he he they're super high quality like they're over here he charges like seven or eight us dollars you know for them you know um but they're great they're fantastic and people dig into them they're like oh my god this is fantastic it's like yeah it makes sense like it's 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 a little contained vessel you know and perfect you know it's got everything you need in it he does a pork belly and apple he does a a try that one. one yeah oh it's fantastic he does a lamb one over here that's unbelievable. I can start describing it, but then things would get really indecent on this podcast. And we try to keep it family orientated. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's great. I, I, I love I love everything you talked about. I'm lost in the food right now. But um, so if, if someone, what's, what's your... Uh, your YouTube, like for your YouTube channel, what's your, if someone wants to look you up, if they haven't seen your videos, where, where do they go? What do they look up? Yeah. So the channel name's Trout Hunting NZ or NZ. Yeah. NZ down here. But um, <laughs> same, same on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, but if you just search trout fishing, you probably come across it somewhere. Right. Nice. Nice. Awesome. We'll make sure people. You have a website or anything, or is he just strictly YouTube right now? Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, got a website, trouthuntingnz.com. Beautiful. It's yeah, all the same. Man. Like, there's no like deviation. <laughs> like, you're just like, I'm gonna make sure everything's the same. It's difficult yeah. these days. Yeah, he capitalized on yeah. that. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, I, I got the backtrack real quick before we cut out here. He said, you said Minnesota, Texas, Florida. And, and Colorado. And Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So did you feel, I have to ask this from, from our perspective over here, did you feel like you're in a different place every time? Like you were in the States, but did every place have a unique feel to it? Like com- like culturally and like, you're like, oh, I'm absolutely in Minnesota. And yep, in Texas, well, Texas for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I was brief. Only briefly in Texas, and I, I was pretty sheltered when I was in each of those spots because I was with pretty small groups of people, and I was there just purely fishing, like fished every Uh-oh. day. I was there. I had an absolute ball. 
Um, but yeah, I absolutely loved it. Uh, uh, yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, an amazingly large country. That's what I got from it. Is like I, I can't remember how long it took. I flew from Florida to Denver, mm-hmm. and it was just like flying over a landmass, looking out the window. I was like, because every time you jump in a plane in New Zealand, you can see the ocean. Yeah, everywhere. It's such a a long skinny country. If you fly anywhere, you 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 can see the ocean. So, well, it's an um, island. But, like you're surrounded by water. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But it's quite it's quite <laughs> it's quite narrow. So it's narrow. Does it? Yeah, you don't have to get very high in any part of the country, and you can see the ocean. Nice, interesting. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we got to get you over here. Like when you fly in, you fly in here to Reno, Tahoe. It's freaking cool. You know, same yeah. thing. You got you got mountains to the side, and then and then just the change of landscapes because you got the one side with the Sierras and Tahoe, all that alpine stuff, and then as you sh- scoot over to Pyramid Lake, it's just desert, ancient, high desert. Super cool, gambling, lots of burritos, yeah. etc. Oh, I will get there for sure. Yeah, I was hoping, to, I was hoping to come back uh, 2022, but we'll see how the whole uh, Corona situation goes and yeah. see if that's possible. Yeah, it'll I mean, blow you, over. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It will. You know, it'll blow over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, but it'd be great to get you over here. So, but hey, but hey, it's it's been a great great conversation. I'm glad that we finally got you on, and I'm pretty sure we'll have a follow up with you because we just kind of touched on the surface, and maybe we could dig yeah yeah dig Love down to. into some specifics in the uh, in the future. But um, again, thanks for joining us, and and one more time, your handle on YouTube is what Trout Hunting NZ. And that's your YouTube handle. That's your Instagram. That's your website. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yep, guys, go ahead, check him out. Check out his videos, all of his stuff on IG. It's pretty awesome. So, all right, buddy. Well, thanks. Yeah, man. Until next time. Catch you then. Yeah, man. All right. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, tight lines. Like a dry dancer, soaking up rain, soaking up sun.